0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Badgers and the Big Ten bowing out early. Is this an overrated take or not? We will also chat about the Green Bay Packers bringing back Rasul Douglas, why Green Bay might have one of the best secondaries in all of the NFL. And lastly, we will talk about the Brewers over under total. It is out. We will discuss if it's too low, if it's too high, Um, and we'll get into that at the very end of today's show. But before we get started, just a reminder, we are on Twitter, we're on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on all of those, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, also, rate and review if you've already been subscribed. Um, if you are not subscribed, if you're new to the program, you're joining us for the first time, welcome. But we would really enjoy it if you subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else. All right, let's talk about March Madness and the Wisconsin Badgers. So Big Ten has had a little bit of a negative connotation when it comes to the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten seems to have great great regular seasons and they amount for absolutely nothing. Um, last year, we had this same conversation after uh, week one of the tournament where the Big Ten had nine teams and they were only able to produce two Sweet 16 teams. Big Ten has yet to have a national champion since the year 2000. So if you think about that, it's been 22 years since the Big Ten has had a champion in college basketball. That is absolutely absurd given how many good teams have come through you know, the Big Ten roster, basically. And it's not just from one team. It's not just Michigan State. It's Purdue has had some really good teams. Ohio State in that time has had some really, really good teams. Uh, Wisconsin has had some very, very good teams. And yet there's nothing to show for it. Illinois is another one you could mention. And the fact is, is that the Big Ten, I wouldn't say is exactly in crisis mode, but it seems like every year we do this. And so the question, I guess, that you have to have with Wisconsin and everything else is, is this an overrated take? Is this a take that is sort of overdone and it's not really indicative of what the conference actually is? You saw that spin zone a little bit from Bruce Pearl, who got absolutely waxed by Miami. Pearl basically said, you know the SEC beats each other up and because they beat each other up that's why Auburn and Kentucky and Tennessee all went out early i think that's bullshit to be honest like straight up like i can i can understand that a little bit but there were some really good big east years where it was like every game was a tournament game and there were big east teams getting far i think one year kemba obviously got all the way no they were in the aac excuse me but They have had good years in the Big East, even as the competitive juices have been high. You could argue that the ACC was underrated in a sense because the ACC was bad. The ACC really wasn't good. But what was interesting is that Miami, North Carolina, and Duke were all really good teams. And Notre Dame pushed Texas Tech to the brink. The Big 12 is best conference in, in basketball. I think it's pretty clear to see. I don't think anyone wanted to see the Big 12 in anybody's bracket because you saw it with Texas, you know, pushing Purdue. I, I think if Texas didn't foul as much as they did, I think it would might've been a different story in that one. Iowa State, obviously taking care of business against Wisconsin. TCU pushed Arizona to the absolute brink late last night, which if you fell asleep at A, I don't blame you because it was a long weekend. But also, B, you might want to go back and watch like that last four minutes of regulation and then overtime. But yeah, the Big 12 is a motherfucker. All right. And it's almost stunning now looking back that Baylor lost because every other Big 12 team gave a fight. And you have multiple Big 12 teams in the Sweet 16 ready to compete. Kansas looks like the king of that that regional because there's really no one else. I mean, it'll be interesting to see them against Providence. Providence will continue to go in with the chip on their shoulder, but Kansas should win that game. And then whoever they play at Iowa State or Miami, again, Kansas will be favored by quite a bit. So Kansas should come out of the regional and Kansas should end up having one representative for the Big 12 in the final four. Could the Big 10 get a final four team though and would this sort of quell any of the hey the big 10 is overrated i really find it hard to think michigan can get there i um, just facing off against potentially villanova houston and or arizona like if they beat villanova which would be a great accomplishment for michigan then you have to see either arizona or houston who are both very very good so I have a hard time seeing either, you know, Michigan advancing from that. I think that's probably one of the hardest regionals if you had to evaluate all four teams. That that along with the West are very very difficult. Then you have Purdue and the other one. Now that's where it gets a little bit interesting. Purdue being a team who's never made it to the Final 4, this being one of the best Purdue teams of all time, you know, and every, you know, by every account They have St. Peter's, who they should beat. I mean, St. Peter's, great story. Everyone's gonna probably get on board. But if you remember, usually those 15 seeds run out of gas at some point. Um, Everybody will be talking about St. Peter's. No one will talk about Purdue. Purdue should probably blow them out and it shouldn't really even be close. And then they'll face either North Carolina or UCLA. Um, Both teams are good, but I I think Purdue is just better. I think Purdue played North Carolina this year and won by like an eight. So it's, it's definitely two teams that... Purdue can beat. Um, There's not really a home court advantage with all the teams in Philadelphia. Um, Actually, Saint Peter's weirdly has the most, you know, fans closest. But Purdue has a real shot to make it to the Final Four, and what they would then face Gonzaga or Duke, likely, um, if unless Texas Tech or or Arkansas shocks the world. But that to me is like a real opportunity to at least get to the Final Four. I don't know if Purdue can beat. Duke or Gonzaga or one of the other teams, but the road could be paved for Purdue. I will say this, which I thought about and I had a terrible bracket. Like I had an awful bracket, no question about it. But one thing I did sort of think about and why I kind of rode Tennessee it was a comment by Mark Titus of Titus and Tate fame, Club Trillion, um, who I'm sure you're familiar with. If you're not familiar, Titus Tate. By the way, Titus and Tate is a great way to get caught up on everything, to listen to everything. I highly recommend it. But anyways, he said on part of my take, he was like, look, three years ago, everyone said Tony Bennett could not win the big one. Tony Bennett wins the national championship. Everybody said last year, Scott Scott Drew couldn't win the, win the big one. Scott Drew comes through t- basically a great run, one of the all-time runs for Baylor, including beating an undefeated team in the final game. Like that's a great run for any team, honestly. And then this year, so so I'm thinking about that. And I was thinking about that with Tennessee right? And I know Tennessee bows up, But but I was like, ah, man, you can't trust Rick Barnes. You can't trust Rick Barnes. And I was like, well, you know, I thought what Mark said. And I was like, okay, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year for Tennessee. And I really liked the SEC. I thought the SEC was really talented this year. And obviously they let, let us all down with the way they did. I had Kentucky as a national championship. I thought Kentucky was great. And then after that, Now, thinking about it, now thinking about his commentary, why couldn't that be Purdue? Like, why couldn't that be what what it is? Is that Purdue is actually the team who makes this run. I'm not saying Purdue will win the, you know, win it all, but maybe Purdue is that team and maybe, you know, they finally get over that hump. But Purdue has been known to choke things away. Who can forget that Michigan or the Virginia Elite Eight game, which was A, an all timer, but. It was definitely a game where Purdue should have won and Virginia somehow snuck away and and were victorious and went to the Final Four and then ultimately won the national championship. As for the Badgers, um, probably Badger fans are happy. I was talking about the Big Ten more than I was their team. It was everything that you kind of worst nightmare scenario for the Badgers. And I had said to some friends, I was out, had had a few beers for the game, and I, I told them, I said, look... Iowa State is predicated on turning turning you over. The Badgers are one of the best teams in terms of not turning the ball over. This should be a really good matchup for them. Iowa State also very good at defending the three, but I, I thought like, you know, even with how bad the Badgers are at shooting threes, like they've been able to overcome that. Like they've been able to sort of figure out how to score without making three pointers, which credit to them. And yet those two things really impacted this game. You know, the Badgers had, I think, you know, 15 turnovers. They had way more turnovers than they usually do. They were, you know, not ke- not careful with the ball, number one. Number two, they had issues when it came to making three-pointers. I think they were two of 22 from three, and that's that's never gonna win you a basketball game. You're never gonna win when you only make two threes and you miss 20 of them. That's, that's a lot of three-point baskets missed, and it's hard to sort of get off the mat then and Iowa State just kept coming at him. Gabe Kalshar was really good. Uh, Brockington, I thought, you know, a little too ball dominant late, but he did he did have some major moments. Um, I thought Tyrese Hunter, you know, was not as good as he was in game one, but still, you know, provided a, a little bit of a, the big. T- they had to keep an eye on him, all right? And were the officials good? No, all right? But the officials have been bad in literally every game. Um, it's hard, it's hard for me to look at one game and say that was well officiated. I don't think I can find one. I really don't. I don't think I can look at any of these games and say, especially the close ones, and be like, hey, this was well officiated, which is an absolute embarrassment to the sport of college basketball. While the Badgers fans and can think, you know, hey, this was a kind of a smoking mirrors year. We had a lot of things kind of go our way. We caught a lot of breaks, and you know, maybe it was inevitable that we would fall short. I think you have to look at this and it hurts even more that Miami wins, right? Miami beating Auburn means that Wisconsin could have easily found themselves in the Elite Eight against Kansas for a right to go to the Final Four. And instead, Wisconsin is going home and they are not making it to the second weekend. This is now the fifth year in a row that Greg Gard has not made it to the fifth weekend or second weekend, excuse me. Uh, We throw out to 2020, obviously, because of COVID. But that is a little bit of a bad sign for Greg Gard. That is not necessarily something you want to hear. I know that Bo Ryan had his own problems in March and maybe that's worth investigating. And Gard, I think, will need to look at what Ryan did come tournament time and figure out how do I take my, take my teams to the next level? How do I make sure that I am not just you know a first weekend guy? How do I make sure that I'm not the next Rick Barnes? I'm not Fran McCaffrey. I, I can kind of elevate myself and be more like a Jay Wright or be even even like Michigan, right? I know they've had multiple coaches, but how do we look like Michigan? Michigan has been to the Sweet 16, I think like seven times in the last decade. Like that's really impressive for Michigan. And if I were Big 10 teams in general, I would be looking at what Michigan does. What combination of players does Michigan have where it's like, all right, that's the, that's the recipe. It might not be the exact recipe, but how do you make it yours within your, within your or, I said organization, but yeah, within your team. It, it's, it's disappointing for the Badgers, but I, I would not necessarily look at this and say like it's a complete failure. You know, obviously, yeah, you're the ninth overall seed. There is some disappointment there, but this Badger team had no business necessarily being a three seed. This Badger team was not supposed to be good all year, right? They were picked 11th. So the fact that they made it to a three seed, the fact that they got to play two games in Milwaukee is a pretty big accomplishment for them. They shouldn't be disappointed by that. But did they potentially piss away a golden opportunity given the fact that Auburn lost? Absolutely, 100%. And the fact that they had Chicago right there waiting for them and couldn't capitalize is gonna be one of those things that Badger fans look back on and just wonder, right? And just think about Especially if like say Providence you know beats Kansas in in the sweet 16. You know, then it becomes even worse. And you just get sort of that vibe that I think a lot of Packer fans did when the Rams were able to beat the Buccaneers and you're like, "Fuck. We got the Rams at home." Like we, you know, and I think that'll be a similar feeling for a lot a lot of Badger fans. Now, if Iowa State goes on some crazy run and they make this they make the final 4, and then I think like it, it actually makes you feel better. Right. And you look at it and you're like, well, I don't know. Um, I guess they were a lot better than we were. And I look at North Carolina. Right. For Marquette and Marquette obviously got their asses kicked. And we talked about that a little bit on Friday show. But I'm not necessarily that sweat. I'm not really like that worried about it anymore. It's in one ear out the other. Mostly because North Carolina just beat Baylor. I mean, they beat their ass. Like, I know that Baylor came back and whatever, but like North Carolina really played well. And so it's hard for me to look at that and say, all right, I am, I'm disappointed in a team that is already in the Sweet 16. So it's obvious that North Carolina kind of played beneath them during the season. And maybe North Carolina was more of a six or a five seed this year and they just didn't play to that potential all season, who knows? So I'm okay with it. I, I can embrace that, and I think Badger fans would probably do the same if Iowa State were to like make the Final Four. I don't think beating Miami would be this like feather in the hat and like oh this that just justifies the loss. But a Final Four would if they were to say beat you know Miami and then either Kansas or Providence. I think that would definitely be sort of that cherry on top. Move Really quick before we go talk about Rasul, um, I just want to mention, you know, I, I think I saw a little bit from Marquette fans that were annoyed at the sort of love that Wisconsin got in Milwaukee. There was a sign that said Milwaukee home of the Badgers, um, which I, I can understand getting that rubbing people the wrong way. I do think like we need to not be so fucking sensitive. Um, I, I think that you have to understand that this is a fucking business that this is marketing. I think, yeah, it was Punch Bowl that had that sign. Um, they wanna get as many people in as possible, right? They want people to take pictures of that. They want people to post that on Instagram. Is it annoying as Marquette being the host city? Sure, right? Would, you know, they would Madison roll out the red carpet for Marquette if the Kohl Center hosted first round of the NCAA and Marquette was a, th- a three seed? I don't know, That that is actually the question. I think that's really the question. Would you know they be as receptive to us as I think Milwaukee was to Badger fans? I'm not sure. I'm. Mean, I don't think so. I really don't. And maybe that's just. I feel like in in Madison, there's a little bit of a nose in the air. But again, then again, like business is business. They wouldn't say Madison Home Market basketball for sure. That wouldn't happen. But I, I do think people would be welcoming. I think people would make sure that they are, you know, their their business is getting supported. And I think at the end of the day, that's where it comes down to is you're just trying to get as much revenue in. This was a big weekend for weekend for the bars not just because Milwaukee was hosting, but because it was St. Patrick's Day and they made a killing. Like this was probably as profitable of a weekend for the city of Milwaukee as ever, as any during the pandemic, probably since the Bucks run, right? Like that was probably the last time we've seen this much success and this much foot foot traffic all over the city, really starting Thursday morning and going into Sunday night. I think because the Badgers losing, that obviously kind of like took the winds out of the sail for one final push, but it was a really, really good weekend for the bar industry. And of course they're gonna have to support Wisconsin. Of course they're going to want to pump that up. So I think if you're a Marquette fan and you're sensitive about that, I would just say, touch some grass. That's kind of our theme of the last few weeks is like, just go outside, like just get away from your computer, take a walk. It's fine, it's not a big deal. Kind of how you have to do it. You got to play the game, all right. And let's be honest, a lot of people are Badger fans here, all right. And that's just it. Like there are less Marquette fans, and that's just it's what's going to be. And those who are more on the casual side are probably going to gravitate towards the Badgers because they like their football team. And the Badgers have been much better as a basketball program than the Badger than Marquette has in the last five to six years. And that's how Fairweather fans go. If Marquette gets good again, those casuals you know, might drift towards Marquette a little bit more. And maybe, you know, they feel some way about Wisconsin, but it's more in the middle. It's like I like both teams. There's a a lot of those people out there which I know is weird for those who like really hate the Badgers or those who really hate Marquette, but those are definitely out there. So I'm not really worried too. I don't think anyone should really spend too much time, you know, wringing their hands about it. And I think it's good for the city that the Badgers were in here because that just made more revenue. And I think it only helped. Um, And I don't think you'd have the crowds that you saw out in the Deer District. Uh, I was out there Sunday, it was crazy. Like I, I was all red. And I think there's more discussion that needs to be had about, do you have the Badgers here at least once or twice a year? And I think you might. Um, And I know that would bother a lot of Marquette fans, but I think it would be really good for business. So we'll see. But that's just a quick thought on that. Moving on to Rasul Douglas. So Rasul Douglas signs with the Green Bay Packers. It's a three-year, $21 million deal. Pretty fair deal. Um, Basically taking some of that Devontae Adams money and bringing back Sewell was a great decision by the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think that Green Bay didn't need him. Um, I think it would have been house money to have him, but now they do, they're gonna cash in. And Green Bay has a very good secondary uh, with Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes is as good of a top three corners as you'll have in football. And that's gonna make it really difficult on teams this season. And I think the Packers are going to be very difficult to pass on. And I think Rasul, this isn't just a flash of a pan. I think Rasul had a really good year. He's 26. He's a young guy. I don't think this was like just a one-time 28, 29, and then he's going to go to complete shit. I think the Packers put him in a system that he could succeed. I think the fact that he is a ball hawk is something that Green Bay has lacked in their secondary for a long time, really since Charles Woodson. And maybe he won't have that production next year, but I I think it's really crucial. I also think what Rasul Douglas helps with is in case Eric Stokes takes a step back. We have seen this before, right? And I'm not saying Eric Stokes will, but we have seen this with rookies where that second year is not as successful as that first year. That first year is like, you're still new. There's no tape on you. You can, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't, you know, getting over your head and you're you're able to kind of keep everything in front of you. But you could see Eric Stokes get, you know, a little little worse and take a step back. And if, you, if he does, then you have Rasul Douglas there. And so I think it's, yeah, as it an expensive insurance policy, sure. Is it less expensive, or is it a better cost-effective cost, cost effective way than doing like Kevin King or another draft pick? Yeah, absolutely. Or a guy you had drafted like uh, Shamar Gene Charles or something like that. So I think that having Rasul there is really gonna propel the Packers and it's gonna make teams have to run the football if they're gonna wanna beat the Packers. Because I don't know if you'll, you'll be able to pass against this team as long as they stay healthy. Because you add those three guys plus Amos, plus Darnell Savage, I realize... There were some critiques of Savage this year. I felt like Savage should have played up more in a rover position and even maybe had six guys in the secondary and had another safety. But Amos is critically underrated. Um, Savage can bounce back. I'm not really worried that Savage is, you know, a second tier player or something like that. I think, I think their secondary can be very successful this season and it's going to be fun. And I think their defense in general is going to look really good. Um, I think right now it's, it's looking great because you added because Campbell comes back, Preston Smith comes back. Now Douglas comes back. Basically you brought back the three defensive guys that you could have potentially lost in free agency Yes, that area Smith isn't on the roster, but Z is, you know, I think off the deep end and I, I don't think that Z was ever part of Green Bay's plans to come back. They have Rashawn Gary. I think they might, you know, add an edge rusher, whether it be in free agency or in the draft, they'll certainly add more help for Kenny Clark inside. Um, but I, I really do like what the Packers have going for them in terms of their defense. I think their defense can be a top 10, top 10 unit. And I do think that will help You know, Aaron Rodgers with not having Devontae Adams. And they will give more opportunities for Aaron Rodgers. This is probably going to be one of the best defenses that Aaron Rodgers has played with in his entire time in Green Bay. And I think that can't be discounted. I think we have to, you know, at least consider that when we're thinking about the Packers and projecting the Packers. You saw, I'm sure you heard my rant on Friday. And if you didn't, go back and listen to it about how everyone was ready to, like, say the Packers weren't a contender because they got rid of Devontae and it was just way too early to say any of that shit. They also brought back Robert Tunyon. I didn't mention that at our open, but worth mentioning that Big Bob also coming back on a one-year deal. It'll be interesting to see if Robert can be back for the start of the season or if he's going to need more time. He tore his ACL. I think he did that against the Cardinals, right? Yeah, so middle, early, it was like what, late October, early November uh, for that injury for Tunyon. So we'll see if he's going to need, you know, more than just the start of the year or if he's going to be able to come back. I guess it makes me a little nervous that there were so many complications with David Bakhtiari's ACL. I hope that it was just a one, that was one of one and that we're not going to have these issues with, Tunyon or Elton Jenkins, and those guys will be back at some point this season, Um, but Green Bay giving him a one-year deal kind of tells me that Tunyon either thinks that he can play most of the year, and then he shows out and gets paid, or he's like, I'm not sure I'm going to be ready until October, so I'll take a one-year deal, and maybe if I get hot, I can convince a team to look at me for next year. The problem with ACL injuries, especially at skill position, is that it does sometimes take two years for those guys to look fully healthy. Uh, you know, even Cam Akers, who I know it's Achilles, but it's kind of the same injury. It's Well, it's a different injury, but it's the same sort of it takes two years. Like Cam Akers had moments where he looked really good for the Rams, but at the end of the day, the Rams shied away from Cam Akers as the, as the playoffs and the Super Bowl went on because Cam Akers just was not at that level yet. And so I think... I think that's one of those things where I, I'm not expecting a ton from Robert Tunyon, but if Robert Tunyon can be in the mix and do a lot of, you know, little things and be a safety valve for Aaron Rodgers, I think that's a good thing. And we'll see what happens when it comes to the receivers. I think, you know, there's a lot of different options that have been thrown around. Rob Wo- Robert Woods now off the table as he got traded to the Tennessee Titans for basically nothing. Uh, Woods in my opinion, would have been a great guy to have for the Packers, even though he's coming off an ACL tear. But I, the Rams aren't going to give us Robert Woods. If they're going to trade somebody, they obviously would trade him to the AFC. So I wouldn't expect the Rams to trade Woods. We'll be interested to see what Green Bay does, whether they actually make a move or if they just wait till the draft. I have, I have a feeling that a move is coming, but maybe that's ignorant of me. Who knows? We'll see. Before we ride out of here, let's talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers are off and running. I think they've won all three of their, well, they tied their first one. So they're 2-0-1 to start their spring training year. I do want to do something about spring training uh, tomorrow, which I'll I'll save that. I'll tease that a little bit. Uh, You know, Luis Urias has now been down with a quad injury. He's going to be down until the start of the season, it looks like. He might be questionable for spring. For the start of the season. Um, Brewers really should invest in some corner infielder uh, for the early part of the year um, if Urias is gonna be down for longer than that. It's also kind of a bummer because he's playing his brother, Ramon. I think that's the second game of the Brewers' uh, first road trip. So hopefully he can be back for that. I'm sure he will try to get back for that. Obviously, playing your brother in, in professional sports is pretty cool. But what I want to talk about today was the over-under numbers were out. Uh, Josh Applebaum put, put the Vegas numbers out where the Brewers have 90 as their number. Now, that's a pretty good number. Um, I feel like that's a fair number. But what's crazy is the next team in the NL Central is the Cardinals at 83. Then it's the Cubs at 75. Then it's the Reds at 72. Then it's the Pirates at 65. That is a bad fucking division. Okay, I don't know what the Brewers' division odds are. I'm sure they're sky high. I'm sure it's like minus 200. But I think this goes to what Mitch and I talked about last week, about worrying about the NL Central being very weak. So I think kind of ipso facto, I think that's why I would hammer the over for the Brewers. I think that's an over bet in all sense of the word, just because the division's really bad. And you're going to be playing teams that might not have a, a sniff of the playoffs. Like the Cardinals might not get in. The Cubs, you know, I actually kind of think that Cubs number is low because I think the Cubs are trying to play competitive baseball, and you know they added Sinyar Suzuki. I think I said the name right. I hope I did. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I I would not kind of look at that Cubs number. I think that Cubs number is a little low. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they have talent. They just I don't know pitching wise if they have enough there. I mean, they can maybe outscore everybody eight to six with Arenado Carlson. Goldschmidt, like all those guys. Like I I really do think that there is an opportunity there, but I look at that Brewers 90 and I would definitely take it. I would definitely take the over because I I think you're going to find success there. I, I just don't see this division being very good. And like I said, the Brewers are gonna get fat and really we're gonna have to pay close attention to those teams that are contending. And those big games against you know top tier teams, I think matter more, and that I'm going to carry those with more weight than I did in years past. And that's what I will be looking at. Now, if the Cardinals get good, or say the Cubs have this like incredible start to their season, okay, then, then I think that's actually really good for the Brewers. And I think that adds a level of competition. And so I, I do hope that there's going to be a team that challenges. You don't wanna see the Cubs or Cardinals do well, they're your rivals, they're your rivals for a reason. But I think there's a part of me that wants that competition that doesn't want the Brewers to be the only ones at the table. Like I, I really do think that that just helps, um, you know, for an entire year versus, you know, having a situation where the Brewers are, I don't know, they've, they've won 94 games and we're heading into the final couple of weeks of September and they're 12 games up on the next team. Like that, I don't know how, how that helps anyone. So I do, I do have a little bit of concern there and I just hope maybe the Brewers can have some sort of competition in that division. But I do like the over here. Like I, I think this is an absolute over spot. I would hammer it. I think this is a good one to take if you're a futures person. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk a little bucks tomorrow. I know we didn't do any bucks today. We'll talk bucks tomorrow. Um, We'll do some other cleanup. We'll see what else is out there. And uh, talk to you guys tomorrow. See you, bye.